already said. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So great to be in God's house with you. So great to be with you that are online. Thank you for coming to the God's house and looking to what he is going to do and has been doing and still going to do today, huh? We have our middle school class that's starting right now. If you want to step to the back. Um, yeah. Love you guys. It's kind of funny how things go, you know. Uh, we had all kinds of technical problems, obviously, uh, and we have been, and the board burnt out, as he said. They replaced it, thought everything would be okay right now, but it's not, and uh, some of the sounding things you were hearing was not intentional, I don't believe either. I'll find out later, uh, but anyway, <laughs> what we got going on right here is, is it's pretty funny because the first service, it was kind of all jacked up as well, and uh, working on it to get it fixed and thought we were okay, but we're not, but we're not anyway. So it's kind of funny because if you know and you've been around the church for a long time, I've made a statement all regularly. It was a consistent part of what I would say at the beginning of the message. We're not a perfect church and we're not a perfect people, right? I haven't really said that statement in a while and it's been intentional, not that I think we're perfect yet, but uh, just because of the way things are and what I feel like God's saying to me. But in my notes today, God had me start the message with that statement but it's part of the message. And uh, I should have maybe warned them, but they did get my notes. They should have known back there in the tech booth. Let's see if this works. Hey, my screen's even working. Thank you, Jesus. All right, those guys are awesome. Anyway, um, what we say every week is we're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help, and we know that he's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So many years ago at the old campus, I started making that statement at the beginning of the service, and there's a reason for it. And I'll get to that reason in just a second. Before I do, though, I want to say thank you to all you women that served yesterday. Not the ones that were, I'm glad that you were here to be served, but the ladies that were here to serve, we had a ton of ladies that gave themselves in their time yesterday to uh, just to minister and to bless many of the ladies in our church. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was called Queen Esther Spa. They did it yesterday. And then if you didn't know that, that's because you don't have the app, you don't look at the bulletin, and you don't read your email. Because we sent all that out, and you should get that. It's free. It's like, if I'm not really sure what's going on. We have smartphones. You have one. Uh, I think they've discontinued flip phones now, right? Does anybody have a flip phone in here? Anybody? They do make them? Well, I don't see anybody saying they have one. So y'all ought to get our app. It's free, and we're not following you around. And if, you know, it says if you want to know about locations, no, just turn it off and say, no, I don't want you to know where I'm at. I don't care where you are, and I'm not looking at that. All right? We had to submit our app to Apple and the Android people to get it okayed, and we did. And it's just for us to communicate with you. So if you have one of those, they work pretty awesome because we send messages, and you know what's happening here. And uh, it would help you and us as well. Because if you do have one, you already know that our... Blessing 17 shirts are on sale now, right? Y'all knew that because you saw that in the bulletin, you saw it on the app, and you saw it on the website that you can order pre-order shirts for the blessing that's coming up October 9th. If you didn't know that, you should know that because they aren't for sale the day of the event. I cannot tell you how many people of our congregation come to me and say, I want one of those button shirts. And I'm like, okay, so like for the last three months, we've been telling you, <laughs> you can't have one unless you pre-order it. It's like, you know, they're not available. If you just want a regular t-shirt, we'll sell you one of those at an enhanced price the day of the event. If you pre-order now, they're cheaper. Just giving you a hint. Check it out. All right, don't care if you don't buy one either. Um, so let's go to the message. By the way, the cafe's open before the service starts, and there's coffee over there if you still aren't awake. I don't know if when you walked in you saw something different or not. Did you notice there's chairs across the aisle up here? anybody awake out there? I'm just like, it's dark. <laughs> when you walked in, did you know there was chairs across the aisle? Yeah. So you couldn't walk up that way. Yeah. See that big gap over there? So like that gap's been there to help people walk around that way when they need to come forward. And yet people still tried to walk by the camera. I don't know if you just want to be on the internet. If you want to just be on the internet, you can just walk up to the altar at the end of the service and pray right there. <laughs> all right, <laughs> and you will be, all right, but anyway, the whole reason is to stop people from walking in front of the camera. We love you, but we don't want to see the, your head or your face or your hand or anything else. 
So just so you know, I'm committed to change. I'm doing stuff different all the time to try and help me not get into a rut. Are you in a rut? You are in some areas. Guarantee it. Because you're all sitting where you always sit. <laughs> Nobody had to say, like, we have this seat for you. You're like, excuse me, I have my seat up here. <laughs> all right? That's what we do. So we just move along. Well, here's the deal. We are not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. He's providing that help to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, the reason why we use that statement, and I know that God was the one that inspired me to say it, is because as we began to look at this, and I grew up in the church, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and I know that one of the gifts that we as church people have is we can look at other people and know where they are in their life. Yeah. All we have to do is glance, and we're like, yeah, they got work to do. They should be at the altar today. They should seek some advice, because I could really help them if they asked. You know what I mean? Like, we have that ability to know people and where they are in their life. And the reason why we use that statement, we're not a perfect church or perfect people, is because when we look at someone and we assess where they are in their walk with Christ and who they are and how they live, based on what we see today, I want you to know that you have no clue where they were in their life before you met them. And they may be radiating Christ compared to when they first came to know him. But to you, they're like, they're a wreck. But they're not who they were because God is working in their life. We don't all mature at the same rate. We didn't come from the same place. We didn't start in the same hole. It was sin and it was brokenness, but we didn't all start off on that even plane. We are where we are today. And it is by a work of God in our life, if we've allowed Jesus to be our Savior, and we're following the Holy Spirit, God is changing us. So if you look around you, those people are going to look different next week if you look at them the right way. Yeah. So the reason why we make that statement is we want everyone to feel comfortable here, not comfortable in sin. Nope. I want you to be miserable there. But to be comfortable to understand that God loves you where you are, but he loves you so much that he won't leave you there. And he has called us as his church to love one another into the kingdom of heaven, to allow for others to be different than us and see them the way Christ sees them. And so by making that statement, it's to help us view them in a different light. Okay, so as we move forward in what God's saying to us then, we are not saying, hey, welcome to a bunch of broken people. We're going to stay broken. No, we're saying, hey, we were broken. We are in some areas still broken, but God's healing us, and we want you to come along in this journey of transformation because God loves you, and he wants to change you. He is the healer. We were singing about it. God is a healer of our brokenness. All right? So now, here, let's see what's going on here. So we're in this process together, right? We're in this together. All right, well, I'm going to ask Cindy to put some espresso in that coffee next week. <laughs> look, it's so, if I asked everybody to look around the room, look at your neighbor, I'm not asking you to do that, but if you looked at your neighbor, you could give them a few pointers. Couldn't you? Don't say it if you're married to them. All right, but I'm just, look at the other way, actually. All right, so no, but I mean, saying like, we could look at people and say, just a couple changes, I could help you. All right, so let's just move forward and see what's happening here. Because it's so easy to see what's wrong with someone else. And it's easy to see because they do different things than us. They hear different than us, and, and they are different than us. We're not supposed to be the same. See, our differences are by God's design. God designed us to not all be clones of one another. That would have been pretty easy to do. But we're not, and we're not supposed to be. We can have similarities, and that's good. But we aren't supposed to be exact duplicates of one another. We are to become Christ-like, but God doesn't change the personality that he gave us, not the one you created or I created, the one he created. And so what he does is he transforms this person into Christ-likeness, but he doesn't erase this person. He erases this person's sin. 
I'm made new. See, I, I want you to hear me right now. This is not an arrogant statement, but it may sound like that. See, the Dave Jesus died to make is perfect to what God wants. The Dave that Dave created in following his own ways is a jacked up individual. So what God is doing is he is changing that jacked up individual into the, the Dave that Jesus died to create. And now he's in that process of creating me new. And so as I grow with Christ, as I said before, you may think, wow, he's the most like, you have your own opinions and that's okay. <laughs> I won't have to fill in the blanks. I'm saying you could say I'm a jacked up preacher. I've heard it, trust me. I get emails about, Everything I've heard from people that tell me that I don't dress right, that I don't wear my hair right, that I don't talk right. I mean, I've heard it all. It's okay. And if you want to text me today, you're welcome to as well. Okay? Um, so all I'm saying is, is that you didn't know me before. I don't know where I came from. You may think you've known me for a long time, but the long time you've known me is nothing about what I was before that. And so as God's been working on me and changing me, believe it or not, this is the updated version you're getting. <laughs> it's not a 2.0, it's like a 10.0, man. I've been doing this a long time. All right, all right. So as I look at what God's doing, church, it's amazing what God does. We're not supposed to be exactly the same. You know this. Like if you're married, your spouse is not exactly like you. And if they are exactly like you, it's probably not gonna last. Because whoever's exactly like you is the person you have the most conflict with. Because you've got issues. <laughs> All right? For real, right? Like, if you grew up with a parent's uh, mom and dad, you were like, more like one of them than the other. You had similarities to one of them. I was similar to the nice one. I'm just letting you know right now. All right? But anyway, so... <laughs> You didn't know my dad or my mom? I mean, you met my mom, but it's okay. All right, so anyway, so what I'm saying is, is the one that you were the most like is the one you had the most conflict with, right? Think about it. Okay, so the things that you saw that were jacked up in them, hello. Is that sinking in? That's what's wrong with you, okay? I'll just fill in the blank there, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what's in you. So it's like, oh, that's, God help them. They need you, Lord. No, God help me. I need you, Lord. Please change that in me. I don't want to be like that. All right, so let's move on since we're struggling along here. Um, so I want you to know this, like, I'm not sure how you'll take this one. You've been pretty quiet today, but I want you to hear this, all right? I, I said this is the first service. Now, please hear me all the way through. Some people in here, part of what I say, and I'm not sure how that happens, all right, but I want you to know, first off, that I love you. But you're not a normal congregation. Some of you are, some of you are normal. So I'm going to say that just so that you can group yourself there if you want to and feel good about yourself. But the majority of us aren't normal as a congregation or a church. Okay, we're not. And it's okay. I'm not saying that that's our badge of honor, nor is it a badge of dishonor. It's just that we're different. We are a different church. And when we have visitors that come from what is classified as a normal church, they tell me, you don't have a normal church. I'm like, no, we don't. They, <laughs> that's because they don't have a normal pastor. <laughs> all right, because in all truth, man, when you do all the research and stuff, the church begins to take on the, uh, it's not necessarily the personality, but the likeness of the pastor. It does, after many years. I've been here 17 years, so you guys either are okay with me or you're just new and you don't know any better, <laughs> right? So, like, if you're okay with me, it's because you feel normal. <laughs> so, like, when they tell me you got a jacked-up congregation, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, we do. I don't know why. I'm praying for them. You pray with me, all right? See if God changes them. So, yeah, no. In reality, though, when... Like, we're not a perfect church. What I mean by that is there's no one that's more aware of what's wrong with us than me. And I mean that in a good way. Like, we're not strong in certain areas, and I'm aware of it. So when I'm aware of it, it's like, okay, God, what is it that you're teaching me? What do you need to show me? 
I'm inviting you to enjoy that journey with me. Like when you see something that's not exactly right in this church, pray about it and ask God what he wants you to do about it. Not words, action. I hear enough advice. We need action. Like if something's missing, maybe that's what God's asking you to do. You may be the missing link in that dysfunction of our body. So like if you pray and ask the Lord, he'll help you to do it. And it's not about, yeah, let's just leave that there. Let's just move on because I could get stuck here and I don't want to. When Jesus called the 12 disciples, church, it's pretty interesting if you've ever stopped and looked at them. So when Jesus called the disciples, he had a ton of followers. He had thousands of people following him, you know. Then he went up in the mountain and he spent the night in prayer to the Father. And when he came back down off the mountain from that time of aloneness with God, it was then that he selected the 12 that would become apostles. So out of the group, he went to the Father and he said, we need to make this happen now. And he got the list. These are the guys. So when he came back down, he called them. And you know, four of them were fishermen. Now, this is probably the biggest body of water you guys are used to here in Tucson. So you may not understand this, but there's people that go out in boats and fish for a living. I mean, you know, but so he called four fishermen. Now, I want you to hear me because the fishermen of that day were the blue-collar workers of our day. They were like the miners, the factory workers, the construction workers. So they were the rough people. And I mean that in a good way. You know, like, well, you guys know who you are. You're rough. If you work in those areas, it is a rougher life. It's harsh. And so oftentimes, I'll walk this way when I say this, Russ. Sometimes, like oftentimes, the language gets rough because you live in a rough environment. It's not okay to do that. I'm walking back this way now. All right, but anyway, um, <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is if you look in, this, in the Gospels and you look at this, remember, who's the one that always talking first without thinking? Peter, he's a fisherman, right? So, like, that's that, that group of people. So he, he had four of the 12 that were those kinds of guys. So they're needed. They were the core, by the way. Now listen to this. He called a zealot. Now, that's not normally a name that we would use today, but what that was was an anarchist political person. And Jesus called him to be one of his disciples. Do you know what his life's goal was? Anyone that was in that group? They wanted to overthrow the government because they saw Rome as the enemy and they wanted to unseat them so that they could rise up for God's glory and become the nation to lead the world, right? So his life ambition and was willing to lay down his life in this purpose was to be an anarchist. And here Jesus says, come and be one of my disciples. So now you're bringing in this anarchist, politically minded, uh, overthrow the government minded guy and we're throwing him in with the fishermen, the contractors, we're here. There we are. We got a, a great nucleus core to build on. Now let's do something else. Let's call a tax guy. Someone from the IRS. So Jesus says, hey, Matthew, come and follow me. And so can you see the zealot over there? He's like, what? What is he doing here? That dude's a scumbag. Do you realize he's been taking taxes? He's taking our money and sending it to the Romans. Why is he here? Jesus said, come here, Matthew. Come and follow me. And he threw him in the group. Do you see this mix of people that are happening right here? This was God's group. Now he brings this bookkeeper in. Treasure. You know those treasurer kinds. You know the bookkeepers? We're not going to tell you that that was Judas who betrayed Jesus later, but it was. But he was chosen in the beginning for a purpose and for his skills, and he was part of that group. Now, as we look in that little group of people that Jesus called, 
we are given five other people and we aren't even told anything but their name. Don't even know who they were. It could have been street people. It could have been anything. We don't know. They were just part of the group. So here it is. We see this mixed bag of people and we look at that and it's crazy to me that church, I know this for a fact, one of the reasons why people think our church is weird and different and abnormal is because most churches are clones of one another. They are. You only attract likeness. And so therefore you are like, that's what the church ends up looking like. They're always usually within, I'm not kidding, there may be a few grandparents there, but it's always within a 10 to 15 year span and that's the way the whole congregation looks. That's the way the normal church in our country looks today. And I look at Jesus and he's like, I'll take one of those, one of those, four of those, one of those. Come on, let's get together. And they're like, man, I don't even like that guy. Why are we here together, right? You know what I mean? You know, you remember when you read their little conversations, you're like, hey, let's, uh, let's see if we can take the high seat with Jesus when he comes into his kingdom. That way, when we get there, we can throw these guys out, you know. I'm ad-libbing there, by the way. But they did have those conversations amongst themselves, like, I'm going to be the greatest, or I'm going to be the greatest. Well, me and you are brothers, so we'll both be the greatest. We should get mom to talk to him, which they did if you read the Gospels. So mom comes over to Jesus and like, hey, when you get into your kingdom, could you take my boys and put them up there a little bit? Seriously. See how jacked up we are? And here Jesus like, come on, you're going to change the world. Is that not crazy or what? Jesus said, you guys are going to change the world. And it happened. Why? Church, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said, all that stuff you used to do is not who you are. There is something greater than that that I have planned for you. And it's about the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to change who you used to be into who I want you to be. And now you're going to do something that is for all eternity. Isn't that awesome? Church, that's what God wants to do with us. He's amazing. He is so good. I think he might have known what he was doing. Uh, just a thought. Because the world has been transformed by a bunch of ignorant, unlearned, different, thrown together group of guys who said yes to Jesus. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? So we're looking in God's word in Romans chapter 12. And this is what God's word says. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. You ready for the warning? Don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> yeah, but have you seen them? <laughs> Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given we're pausing right there because where is our faith? Our faith is in Christ, not in us, not in us. Our faith is in Christ. So now he says, can you pause and stop looking at yourself by looking at others? Stop looking at yourself like you see yourself like, oh, I'm pretty hot. I'm pretty amazing. No, he said, take a look at yourself in light of where your faith is. There's Jesus. And it's like, I can look at all you and think I'm pretty good. And then I looked at Jesus and I'm like, that's what he's talking about. It's right here, man. And he's saying like, get a right perspective of where you really are, not where you think you are, not where other people tell you you are. Let's get a perspective of where you really are. Look at Jesus. All right, keep reading because it's great stuff. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's us, by the way. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Okay, so here it is. He's like giving us this line. It's like, are you doing this for him? Do you look up there? Do you know who you're serving? And if you know who you're serving, are you doing what he has gifted you to do for him? Not for you, not for others, for him. 
It's crazy that as a pastor, I've seen people that want to use everybody else's gifts for themselves instead of being content with doing what God has gifted you to do. Everybody wants to be a singer, but most of us aren't. Right? Let's just be honest. Everybody wants to play the guitar, but most of us can't. All of us want to sing. Like, I'm saying, like, give me a microphone. I want to rock it out for Jesus. Like, no, we don't want to hear you. All right? <laughs> Stay right in your seat and sing there. It's perfect place for you. Okay, I, I mean, you understand what I'm saying, right? So we want to use other people's gifts. Why not do what God's gifted you to do? That's where you're going to find your contentment anyway, and you're going to make an impact for the kingdom of heaven. That's what he tells us right there. Use the gifts you have where they're supposed to be used. Okay, so we face a lot of challenges, obviously, you know, and one of the big challenges that we face is we see people that are different than us, and we see them as different. And so when we see them different, we, we just see them as different. And we don't really see beyond that difference. So, um, you know, we say these, like, nice words, like, you know, walk in their shoes for a mile, and then you'll understand, you know, that's great, wow, that's awesome wording, uh, but the reality is, is, like, you can't, and you won't, unless you have to, and so, what I mean by all that, and as we look in God's word, and we're bringing that, that reality to us right here, until we face things personally, we don't have a clue, and so, as a pastor, sorry about that, but there's a little bug that's trying to get me. Um, as a pastor, I've walked with a lot of people to their death. I've been with several people when they left this world. And uh, in that, you know, it's like, it's, um, it's not an easy thing to do. It's God's grace, but I'm, I, I'm not focusing on that. I want you to hear me. As, you know, let's say one of the members of my congregation, our congregation, our church family, like, has come, and it's happened many times, letting me know they have a diagnosis of cancer and uh, that they're terminal. And um, as we walk down that road together and watch as their body deteriorates and all that's happening, the impact of that to the family and all that's going on, when all of a sudden everything in life changes, in that world right there that they're living in, none of the garbage that's happening out there matters at all. They don't even care about political issues or food shortages or anything. Something has happened. The reality of life is now the only thing we see. The moment we're living in is there, and it's there that they're living. And as I've walked with them through that road and I've watched it and I've seen it, when I was young, I got opinions and thoughts. When I was young, and walking down that road, and I made statements to my wife in our own personal life, and I'm like, look, babe, I want you to know if I get cancer, I will not do chemo. I've watched what it does to people. That is not going to happen to me, and I'm not doing that. That was in my youthful ignorance. Because, see, as I was watching things, I had an opinion because I was watching it from over here. So then I, I, would, I didn't say that to other people, by the way. You understand that? I was just between me and her. Because I was like, oh. it crushed my heart to watch what was happening. And then to watch them breathe their last and help that family through that issue. And to just be there. And, you know, what I learned through the years is they don't want me talking. They don't need me to talk. I don't need to say anything. I'm just supposed to be there as the presence of God's comfort to them. And so, just be there. Pray when God asks me to pray. Speak only when God asks me to speak. But just be there for people. And so, through the years, I had all this, hear me right, wisdom that built up inside of me. And then, I went to the doctor with my wife, and they said, you have cancer. And all of a sudden, I wasn't a foreigner in a land of the unknown I was now living in that world and everything I thought I knew disappeared <laughs> not God but you see it was really easy for me to figure things out from over here but then when I was sitting there and the doctor's speaking to me and it's like 
that's your wife, that's happening, this is real. And your brain's like, that's not real. That's not happening. No, that's not, that can't be. No, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you've never been there, you don't understand, but if you've been there, you totally get it. And then you have to walk out of there like, now what? <laughs> Where are we going? So then when I'm there in the, in the you've heard the stories, I'm not repeating them. Listen, when I was there in the, in the horse pen, cleaning up the manure, like just doing that thing that I do and talking to God, and like, she's your girl, God. If you want her, you can take her. Doesn't fit in my plan at all. But God, I don't want to keep her from what you have. Trust me, that was the hardest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. But when I did it, that's when I got peace. That wasn't like God saying, oh, I'm going to leave her with you. Don't worry. No, God was like, that's what I'm waiting for, Dave. Let her go. She's not yours. Right? That was the 15th, 20th time I've given her to him anyway. But I'm saying that was the newest moment. All right, so in that moment, though, when you're in the unknown world and you're facing that, you have a whole different perspective of stuff. So now when someone tells me this happened to my child or this is what's happening in my life, I don't sit there and think I know anything. I'm like, oh, God. Their world's upside down. They're devastated. Church, the reason I'm saying all this to you right now, hear me. You have no idea what people are going through around you. You don't know what they've dealt with. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know the pain that they've been being healed from. And so when we look on the surface of someone and we think they got it all together or they don't have nothing together, we really don't know what we're talking about. And that's why God's asking us to love people where they are and let God transform them into who he's making them become because they may be dealing with the greatest difficulty they've ever had to face in their life. But all we see is they're a jerk. On the way to church today, I was riding my motorcycle down Speedway, and I saw this car coming out of Circle K very quickly, realizing that it was going so fast, there was no intention of stopping before it pulled out in the street in front of me. My eyes met that driver's eyes. I mean, they were, we were that close. I could see him very clearly, and they just came right on anyway, and so I was already slamming on my brakes because I saw it coming. Thank you, Jesus. So as I was watching what was happening there, you know, in the brain, you're like, I want to come up and educate you. <laughs> I would never use bad words. I would not be mean. I'm not threatening to fight them. I would come up there and just say, you saw me. Why did you pull out in front of me? Is my life of that little value to you? So I'm sharing with you the lecture that I was going to give, so just bear with me. <laughs> so you're being my therapy. I wanted to help educate them in understanding that I don't care where they were going. My life is more important than that. But as I was riding behind them and I stopped safely and they were in front of me, instead the Lord was talking to me. And he began to like, you know the message I gave you today? Do you know what's going on in that person's life? Do you know why they sped out of that gas station? Do you know where they're going? Do you know what's happening? So all these things are processing through my mind. The lecture was over here, and God was over here like, are you going to respond to my message, or are you going to respond to your flesh right now? So I stayed behind the car, and they turned on Country Club like I did. So I'm assuming they probably thought I was following them, but I didn't get right up on their bumper like some people might want to do. <laughs> I stayed back and just rode. I didn't yell at them. I didn't wave my hands or do anything. I just like rode down the road. And all that way, God was talking to me, and I wasn't talking to them or doing anything, nor did I see anything coming out of their car or any wave or nothing. You know, like I'm just driving. And so then... As we were coming up the street, they turned right here next on the street next to our church. So I was like, if they come into our parking lot, <laughs> I didn't follow them on that street, which I would normally do because I want to see what's happening in our parking lot. I went up to the next street to pull in so that they didn't think I was following them. 
And if we met in the parking lot, it would have been a God thing, right? So I was just like watching for that car to come around that corner, which they never did. And, uh, and I was like, Lord, you know, you were like putting me in this spot on purpose. Absolutely put me in that spot on purpose. I was totally fine. Nothing happened. But it was like, are you going to do what I tell you to do? Or are you going to react out of your flesh? Are you going to act like I want you to act? Or are you going to act like you want to act? So it was like that moment. Are you going to preach this message? Or are you going to live it? Or are you just going to talk about it? So it was this awesome opportunity. Now, I'm going to say that I got an 80% on that test. I'm just telling you just because nothing came out and nothing showed. So that was 80%. And then I listened to God. So maybe there's 85. And then I'm going to try and get it to 90. So let me think of how else I can do that. I'm preaching it now. Let's just move on so we don't get ourselves in trouble. So, you know, the thing is we can be challenged to think we know it all because we've experienced it, we know it. We can be challenged to think that we're better than other people in certain things, you know, but we don't have the same perspective of life as anyone around us. Like, I can't sit here and tell you that I know exactly what my wife went through when the doctor said, you have cancer. I don't know what that feels like because they've never said it to me. I do know what it's like when they say it to a spouse because I heard it. But I can't sit here and tell you I understand what that feels like when you're told you have cancer. You follow me, church? Like, so you see what I'm saying is like, let's begin to see people the way God wants us to see them, not the way we see them. It's completely different. All right, let's go back to scriptures in Romans 12. We're okay on time. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I'm continuing the reading now in verse number nine. You ready? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Isn't that awesome? Get some life in you while you're serving Jesus, man. And not about like, yeah, I love Jesus. You know, it's like enthusiastically. All right. So I look at the scriptures here in Romans 12, and it's like you got a little bit of a to-do list, right? So we're going to do a little to-do list question quiz. And I want you to speak out loud. I'm going to ask you question number one. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Are you using your gifts and abilities for the Lord? Okay, so there's some improvement there, right? That wasn't 100%. My ears are good on this side. Um, so there needs to be a step up, right? I mean, let's be real. Um, are you fake loving people or actually loving them? Yes or no? <laughs> Altar should be really full this morning. I'm just saying. <laughs> front seats can be set on if you can't kneel down on the new hard floor you ready let's hear the next question on this do you hate what's wrong in the world around you we're supposed to god's word says so hate what is wrong when something is wrong we should hate it not the person the wrong are you holding on to what is good are you loving with genuine affection isn't that awesome that we got asked this again Remember how it already asked us if we were loving? But there's something added here. Are you loving with genuine affection? So what that's asking you is, Russ, I want you to know I love you because Jesus says I have to. That's love. But to love someone with genuine affection is to say, Russ, I love you, man. And in my heart, I do. I really love you. I have this feeling of love, too. That's what God's asking so when we look in the word of God as Christians, that's Russ over there. I'm not talking to an imaginary friend. There's that guy over there, just so you guys know over there. Uh, it says here, I'm asking you then, do you love people with genuine affection? Yes or no? Yes. See, that takes God to do that Amen. for more than just Russ. I mean, it takes God to love people with genuine affection, right? For real, let's move on. Honoring others, are you doing that? 
The first commandment with promise was honor your father and mother. God didn't say, hey, honor the good dads and moms in the world. Honor your father and your mother. God says we need to honor them. That doesn't mean they did everything right. No parent has. But we're to honor them. And now he tells us that we're supposed to honor others. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we have a hard time honoring our own spouse a lot of times. God's saying we're supposed to honor others. That's like being respectful, serving them, seeing them as a person of value. Okay. Let's see. Um, you're not supposed to be lazy at work. Are you being lazy at work, yes or no? There's a few of you. Okay, but see, the challenge is that you're not supposed to do that. So you're supposed to, like, work hard. I mean, you're supposed to. As a Christian, you should be the example at work, not the um, butt kisser. I'll just say it that way. That's not what he's telling us. You should lead by example by being the hardest worker there. That's like to represent Christ because remember the word of God says, do everything as to the Lord. Therefore, you're not doing it to impress whoever you work for. You're doing it because you love God. All right, we'll leave that one alone. You can feel conviction tomorrow morning when you go to work. All right, so are you serving God enthusiastically? I already knew most of you weren't because you've been really quiet today. So I'm like, let's do this, man. Enthusiasm. It's crazy that we can get enthusiastic about so much stuff, but then when it comes to God, it's like I don't want to like, be one of those kinds of people. What is that kind of person? I mean, do you love him or not? Has he changed your life or not? Is he who you're going to live with for all eternity or not? Has he changed you here and now? Is he the hope of life? If he's all that stuff, then... I just think we might be okay to at least express ourselves a little bit, don't you? All right. Thank you. Uh, so here's our self-assessment. We'll hurry along here. Let's get you out of here. Um, so as we, I already know you didn't do well on that test because it wasn't very <laughs> affirmative. So I was going to give you a benefit of the doubt and say if you answered six out of eight right, you know how when you do those little quizzes and say, it says like, oh, you did excellent. If you only did six out of the eight, you suck. <laughs> it's one of those kind of quizzes. <laughs> See, the truth is, is that God says this is who we're supposed to be, right? So it's like you could, you could start feeling self-righteous when you, I was like, I said yes to everything. I don't care how quiet everybody else was. Oh, we already got a problem now. But see if you were like, yes, 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 right? No. Yes, yeah, no. We got a problem. Because he's not saying, like, if you would do some of these things, people will notice that you're my disciples. That's not what it said. He's like, this is who you're supposed to be. And this is how you're supposed to live. Thanks for the suggestions, Jesus. That's awesome. Okay, so we're, we're going to move along here. Um, 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you've failed the test of genuine faith. <laughs> yeah. So let's everybody do a little self-assessment again. Let's stop looking at other people and assessing them. Stop grading everybody else's walk with God and whether they're good enough or not. Stop grading everybody else's church. Let's start looking at ourselves, and it tells us in the Word of God to test yourself. Be real about your faith. Be real about your walk. Know who you are in Christ. Right? Okay. So the first thing we need to make sure is that we're being honest in our evaluation. That I'm pretty sure you are be, uh, being today because not everybody's answering. So either you're being real or you're asleep. I don't know which, but whatever is fine with me. All right, so let's do this. As we look in the spiritual mirror to ourselves. And where we are and how we are growing in our faith with Christ, we're going to take another quiz based on the Bible. This quiz comes from the words of Christ himself, and these are the words that we will look at to see where we are. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. These are to Jesus' followers, right? So we're going to take another quiz. If you're doing these things, and I'm going to ask them one at a time, say yes. If you're not, say no. The very first question and statement that we look at with the word of God and what he is saying, God's word says, do you love your enemies? Yes or no? Are you doing good to those who do you wrong? See, this is where that person pulling out in front of me, I made eye contact. It's like, they did me wrong. What about it? Right? I mean, there's other things that have, trust me, there's a lot of doing wrong out there, right? You know that. So he's saying, like, what are you doing with that? Are you doing good to those who do you wrong? Are you blessing those who curse you? Are you praying for those who hurt you? like Jesus is getting really real with us, isn't he? He's like right up in our face and saying, look, this is the deal, man. You gotta be real in your walk with me and this is what it means to be changed. You gotta love the unlovable. You gotta do good to those people who do you wrong. That's like totally opposite of what we wanna do, but it's who God is because that's what he's done for me and you. And that's where he's calling for the transformation of our heart and ourself so that we become more like Christ. And to be Christ-like is to love the unlovable, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Then Jesus told this story to, to, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Some things haven't changed in the last couple thousand years, you know what I mean? <laughs> so let's get a perspective of who we're talking about here. Jesus is saying the Pharisees. So the Pharisees wore church clothes all the time. They did. They had these distinguished clothes and outfits that they would wear that distinguished them as men of God. And they were seen as holy men. In the streets, the community, they were the righteous of the people. So now what Jesus is doing, he's saying like, I want to help all of you who think you're something. That's really what he's telling us. So he's given us these polar opposites. Here's the self-righteous, everyone thinks they're holy, righteous guy. And here's the tax collector who everyone can't stand. Jesus says this about it. The two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself. Notice how it says he stood by himself? And he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. Not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. Now listen to that prayer. This is the whole prayer of that self-righteous person that Jesus gives us as in a comparison. So not only is he like proclaiming his righteousness, he's also letting, reminding God of all he does for him. And now Jesus says now, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. <laughs> Listen, I tell you, this sinner and not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. This is Jesus talking. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So as Jesus is talking to us, he's like, man, I want you to know I look at the heart. I'm not looking at the outside. I'm not looking at what's on the outer shell. I'm looking deep inside, and I'm looking there for who you truly are. So why in the world do we as God's people assess people based on what we see on the outer shell? 
We're looking at them and we've already got it all assessed right now. Because you look like that, that's who you are to me. And God's like, wait a minute, man. Stop exalting yourself and start seeing people the way I see them. Here's your action steps, church. How's your walk with God today? Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Where are you in your self-assessment in your Christian living? How are we doing? For real. The altar's open. If you failed the test today, it's time to repent. God's awesome. He'll throw that test away for you and let you start over. Isn't he amazing? You're like, yeah, you screwed that one up. There's an F. But guess what? We'll let you come back tomorrow and redo it. He is amazing. The altar's open. Would you like to come and talk to him today? We're going to have our baptism at the same time. If you guys that are being baptized would come forward. But the altar's open. want to make sure that you're all good. Man, we're ready what God's doing. He loves you. <laughs> he loves you. He is incredible, isn't he? Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, as we look at ourselves today, we want to see ourselves in light of our faith and who is our Savior. Lord, all of us have work to do. We're here today to, Lord, repent and say, forgive us for seeing others in an untrue light. And Lord, we ask you to help us to love them the way you've called us to love them, to see them through your eyes, to see their brokenness the way you see it, Lord. Forgive us, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much that you are a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness and that you are a God of healing. And so God, today we ask you to heal our hearts, take us into new places with you, and Lord, let your name be glorified in all things. And in this body, we want to represent you well, God. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.